0: Happy Saturday, everybody. Today, we are going back to an episode that did not come out in October, but it definitely could have. It's our April 2015 episode about the soap lady who is part of the Mütter Museum collection as well as other famous corpses that saponified as they decomposed.
1: And it is also connected to an episode that is coming out in a few days, but we are gonna keep the exact topic of that one a surprise. So enjoy this, and we'll see you back here in a couple of days.
0: Yeah, feel free to send us guesses if you want. And in the meantime, enjoy.
1: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Holly Fry, and
0: I'm Tracy V. Wilson.
1: And today's episode is going to be a little bit of a springtime macabre. Uh, It's got all the classics. you got some unidentified corpses, which are exhibiting strange characteristics. There's a little bit of science in there, some modern issues associated with this science, and we're even going to have a cameo from a famed paleontologist. Uh, And we're actually titling the episode The Lady Who Turned to Soap, but we're actually going to talk about a few different corpses that have been found covered in some degree, of a substance which is sometimes called grave wax.
0: This story, as we're telling it today, starts in 1875. And at that point, a city improvement project in Philadelphia unearthed a unique find. Uh, This project involved the exhumation of a cemetery, and it was a thing that they had to do in order to get the project done.
1: Yeah, and I've read different accounts of what that project may have been. Some say they were trying to build a train platform and it was going to take up some of, they needed some of the space that the cemetery occupied, and others are like, no, it was a widening of streets, so I don't have a concrete definitive on what the Public Works Project was. But two of the bodies that were exhumed as they were trying to move this portion of the cemetery exhibited this really distinctive characteristic. They had turned to a substance that appeared very much like soap.
0: A professor of anatomy at the University of Pennsylvania named Joseph Lady was very excited about this discovery, and he shared this news with his friend and colleague, William Hunt. In 1896, Hunt wrote an article for the Public Ledger which described Lady's intense enthusiasm over this specimen.
1: And according to Hunt, Lady told him, quote, they have been buried for nearly a hundred years. Nobody claims them, and they would be rare and instructive additions to our collections.
0: Hunt's account described his visit with Lady to the cemetery to speak to a superintendent in the hopes of acquiring the bodies for the College of Medicine. After making a number of comments about the violation of the grave and appearing to shut this mission down, the cemetery superintendent finally told the duo, quote, I tell you what I do. I give the bodies up to the order of relatives.
1: And so uh, the pair left the cemetery and Lady had taken the superintendent's Comment as a hint, and so he went out and he hired a furniture wagon, and he sent a driver with the furniture wagon with a note that the bodies were the grandparents of the wagon driver's employer and asked that they be uh, released to the driver. And so that same cemetery worker who had dropped this hint to Lady that relatives could collect bodies (laughs) sent the deceased on their way in the furniture wagon.
0: Documents in the Mutter Museum indicate that Lady paid $7.50 for each of these bodies. The Mutter Museum, which is part of the College of Medicine, kept the soap lady, but the soap man eventually went to the Smithsonian Institution as part of the National Museum of Natural History.
1: And now just To um, acknowledge his cameo, you may recognize the name Lady. So, Dr. Joseph Lady is usually referred to as the father of American vertebrate paleontology. And in the Cope and Marsh Bone Wars, which were covered by previous hosts of this podcast in an episode... Uh, It was actually Lady who backed up Marsh in his assertion that Cope had placed the head of Elasmosaurus platyurus on the wrong end of the skeleton. This was a particularly painful episode because uh, Lady had actually been Cope's mentor, so for him to be the one that actually validated criticism of him was uh, uh, quite a drama. But that's just in case you're recognizing that name and it's ringing a bell, that was who he was.
0: So you may, at this point, in addition to stumbling over the ethics of effectively stealing these bodies, are wondering how in the world does a body turn into soap? And these two soap bodies are definitely not the only specimens to exhibit this very weird waxy transformation. In Paris in the late 1700s, bodies of children were exhumed from the Cemetery of Innocence to be moved into a space that would later become the Paris Catacombs.
1: And this is sort of the first point on record where we have people noting this condition. Uh, Scientists Antoine Fourcois and Michel Touré were on hand to study those bodies during the exhumation. Uh, They were there because they had an opportunity to study decomposition, and they noticed that several of them were covered in a waxy substance. And this pair is actually credited with naming this substance adipocere, and that comes from the Latin root words Adeps, or you'll hear adipose for fat, and cere, which is wax.
0: Adipose air forms as part of decomposition, but it doesn't typically happen. Most bodies don't do this at all. It requires specific conditions, usually a moist, alkaline environment, and as the decomposition progresses, the body's fat slowly turns into this soap-like substance. The corpse wax is, is sometimes called, starts off soft, kind of like a paste or a putty, but it hardens over time into something more like hard wax or damp mortar.
1: And this process is called saponification, and it actually stops the decay process as it slowly encases the body with wax and shuts out the oxygen that's needed for normal decomposition. It happens most successfully when a corpse's body fat is exposed to anaerobic bacteria. Uh, It can happen in damp soil or water so long as the environment is low on oxygen.
0: One of the really fascinating things about saponification is that it can happen pretty rapidly in terms of a body. It's been documented in observed research settings. It's happening even within a few days, although it can stretch into more than a year. In some testing that was done with pig cadavers, the process actually started within hours. Warm water seems to hasten the process. And while it does continue in cold water, it just does so at a slower pace. For a body to be completely transformed by the process rather than just the fatty tissues takes about two years.
1: And in some cases, adipocere formation has been found in dry environments, but that definitely appears to be the exception rather than the rule. And in those cases, it's the moisture of the body itself that kind of provides the ideal conditions for these anaerobic bacteria. And it's been documented in bodies that have been embalmed as well as those that have not. Uh, It is most common in cases of people with high body fat, which sort of makes sense. Uh, And within a a given corpse, it tends to form, again, this is pretty logical, most commonly in areas where the body fat is concentrated. So if someone carries a lot of their body fat in their abdomen, that's where it's going to be versus if someone carries it in their hips, that's where it will really start uh, forming in the largest proportion.
0: One of the major problems of adipocere is that it preserves bodies and slows normal decomposition, which makes it hard to determine just how long the corpse has been dead. And because it tends to persist once it's formed, the adipocere can just preserve a cadaver almost indefinitely.
1: And in the case of Soap Lady and her companion, Soap Man, although it does not appear that they were actual companions, just that they were found in the same graveyard, their caskets had allowed water to seep in and sort of work its way in and provide the perfect environment for this process to take place. And as we just mentioned, this also made it really tricky for researchers to identify when each of them had passed. And before we kind of get into some of the the research and study that's been done there, do you want to pause for a brief word from a sponsor? Let's do that. so the early story on soap lady was that she had been an elderly uh potentially obese woman who had died in 1792 from yellow fever there was uh, a big outbreak of yellow fever in the area during that year The story persisted, actually, for a long time, until around the 1980s. And at that point, a team of researchers, which included uh, Gerald J. Conlogue, who was a radiographer at the time, he is now a professor of diagnostic imaging at uh, Kanipiak University, and his two student assistants came and they did some interesting study of the body.
0: They took x-rays, and that really changed the soap lady's story significantly, The images revealed that she was definitely not elderly when she died. She was younger than 40. Uh, And they were also able
1: to determine that she had been, in fact, a solid diminutive woman. She was short. Her skeleton, though, appeared healthy, uh, and it did appear that she had a kidney stone or a gallstone because they noticed some calcification
0: points in the abdomen. Additionally, they discovered a number of straight pins and two copper alloy buttons on her body these discoveries really shifted the time of her death much later. Two of the straight pins, which were found at her head, were believed to have held a chin strap so that her mouth didn't droop open before she was buried.
1: And several other straight pins were found lower on her body, and they're believed to have held a shroud in place. And these pins that the team found were the same as those that were manufactured in England in the 1820s. Uh, I also read that they started being manufactured in the U.S. in the 1830s. So Soap Lady could not have died in the 1700s at this point. Uh, Her cause of death, however, remains a mystery.
0: The two buttons were also a type that was commonly used in the 1800s, and they were positioned in such a way that they were probably closing the sleeves on her clothing at the wrist. These pieces of evidence really helped the researchers estimate her death as being sometime in the 1830s.
1: And then uh, in 2008, so fairly recently, the Mütter Museum hosted forensic experts and radiographers to study the soap lady once again. And in fact, that original team that had studied her in the 80s came back and were part of this. Uh, So at this point, she was removed from her plexiglass display encasement and she was examined. Uh, I read one newspaper report that said she's getting her physical, like they said it kind of glibly. Uh, X-rays were carefully taken. They did like Polaroid X-rays and they assembled them right there on the spot so that researchers could look at her skeleton in its entirety next to the the actual body.
0: They also took digital x-rays for later development, and they removed some hair so they could perform toxicology tests.
1: And analysis of the work that was done with Soap Lady in the 2000s has led to the conclusion that she may have been even younger than was previously estimated. She could have even been as young as in her 20s. They're guessing late 20s. But she's still, we don't have all the details on her story. We're still figuring it out.
0: Soap Man has also been studied by scientists at his home in the Smithsonian collection since he was acquired in 1958. It's believed that he was in his 40s when he died, which is estimated to have been sometime between 1800 and 1810.
1: And Soap Man is about five foot nine. He's still wearing his stockings, which always seems to come up in descriptions of him, which is kind of charming. Uh, and much like Soap Lady, he was originally believed to have been buried in the 1700s, and they similarly had some confusion about his age guesstimate. <laughs> it was estimated that he was about 63 at that point prior to the additional uh, research that put him more in his 40s. And while he may have died of yellow fever, they're not positive, they do not think it happened during the 1792 epidemic that they had attributed both of their deaths to initially.
0: Uh, now we're going to move on to some other similar bodies. In 1996, a soap mummy was found, decapitated and fully covered by adipose and this was floating in Lake Brienz in Switzerland. The body was nicknamed Branzi, and it was really a mystery for 15 years. While some of the body had decomposed, most of the trunk was sealed up in adipose air, and consequently the soft tissues of his heart, stomach, and intestinal tract were all really well preserved. And in
1: 2011, uh, researchers from the University of Zurich finally determined based on algae findings in his bone marrow, that Brienzi had drowned in the lake in the 1700s and that he had slowly turned to soap after he settled into sort of a sediment grave on the bottom of this body of water. And he just sat there quietly. You know, the sediment had compacted so much that oxygen wasn't getting in. But an earthquake eventually dislodged him from the lake bed, and that is uh, how he came to the surface where he was discovered.
0: In 1940, a pretty grisly Seponification discovery was made in Washington State. In Olympic National Park, a woman's body was found on Lake Crescent. And in this case, the body had clearly been dumped. The woman had been rolled up in blankets and then tied with a rope. And her face had
1: decomposed to the point that it couldn't be identified, but the rest of her body had turned to this waxy substance. And a medical student that uh, had examined the body once it was taken to Port Angeles had described it as being very similar to ivory soap.
0: The body was eventually ID'd as Hallie Illingworth, who had gone missing three years earlier. And ultimately, Hallie's husband, Monty Illingworth, was found guilty of her murder.
1: Yeah, and that one's kind of interesting because it does point out sort of... uh, I, I know when I started researching this, I was thinking this must be a process that takes a really long time. But she had vanished in 1937 and was found just three years later completely encased. So, uh, in addition to the the scientific research done, that's kind of an easy case study that shows, you know, in natural non-lab conditions, three years can completely encase a whole corpse. In 1998, the body of a young boy was found in a sarcophagus from the late Roman era in the city of Mainz, Germany. And this had a coating of what scientists have described as, quote, a puff pastry-like substance assumed to be adiposaire. And this particular cadaver is unique in that it was in an area with fluctuating groundwater levels. So this means that in some periods of time, conditions were conducive to adipocere development, and in other periods of time, uh, they were not, and they enabled the boy's corpse to actually decay. But scientists point to this find as significant because even with these fluctuating environmental factors, the adipocere has persisted for roughly 1,600 years. And before we get to a very modern problem uh, about adipocere, do you want to pause and have a word from a sponsor? Let's do that. So uh, I mentioned this before our sponsor break, that there are many, many instances of adipocere appearing on corpses. Some are famous, some are not. But it is a very modern issue, and it's actually causing a very real problem.
0: In Germany, some cemeteries actually recycle their space, but adipose formation is creating a real challenge when it comes to that practice. Normally, plots in cemeteries that practice recycling are uh, exhumed for reuse after 15 to 25 years, long enough in good conditions for the full decomposition process to have taken place, leaving only skeletal remains.
1: And Germany isn't the only place that's done this, but there have been a lot of studies done around that. So it's one of those cultural things where I, when I have told people about this, they get really weird. And it's like, well, we have finite space on the earth and seemingly infinite people happening. So something has to be done to kind of manage this. Um, But because of damp conditions and high clay content of many of the burial sites, like a lot of these cemeteries were just not placed on ideal ground, uh, bodies are not decomposing properly, and that means that graves can't be recycled. And there's sort of this whole research effort happening trying to fix this problem. Swiss scientists uh, began a project in 2008 to try to solve the problem by introducing a reconditioning system into the soil, but the problematic element to that solution is that there has to be a place where they can create auxiliary graves to be dug for these corpses that are covered with adipose air like they can't, they can recondition the soil, but they still have to put these bodies somewhere.
0: Some cities opted instead to purchase watertight burial chambers, and in some cases, private citizens have purchased their own. These tombs offer up environments where decomposition can happen the way it normally should, without the conditions that promote that promote the development of adipose air. However, an, an initial examination of some of these chambers actually revealed a different problem. The absolute absence of moisture has led to corpses mummifying rather than decomposing. So filters have been added to some of the crypt models in the hope of creating a more perfect afterlife environment to promote proper decay. Another
1: solution uh, that is also a Swiss brainchild is a fungal product that is intended to accelerate decomposition of wooden coffins. And I uh, read about this in an article in Spiegel Online, and this was in 2008, and I did not really find later information on how successful that is or is not. Uh, So we don't really know if that's worked yet. It's still only, you know, seven years after the fact. It may be hard to tell. Um, Other approaches to kind of advancing the science of decomposing bodies are being explored. Uh, There are companies cropping up that offer woodland burials, like under a tree, uh, or there are luxury cemeteries that are designed to feel more like park spaces, and in those cases... Uh, at least the ones that I read about in Germany, there is an option to have a not-recycled grave so that if the family wishes, they can keep you in that plot forever. I think they have to pl- pay, like, an annual fee. I'm not entirely clear on the economics of it, but it's an option now to kind of skip over this whole recycling issue. And and that's soap people.
0: <laughs> it is strange it's prob- and fascinating. It is
1: strange and fascinating. It is probably no... Uh, Surprise to people who have maybe watched Fight Club or read other things that you know fat and soap are connected. Uh, one of my friends that I was talking to said, "Didn't isn't this how they discovered that body fat could be used as a cleaning agent?" And I was like, uh, "Not this specifically. It's sort of like the difference between using a wheat-based flour to bake a cake and a cake spontaneously forming in a field of wheat." <laughs> right. You can you can use fat in the soap making process, but for soap to just form on its own yeah. is a whole other thing that requires a lot of very specific scenarios and yeah. conditions.
0: Well, and the possibly apocryphal story of how soap was discovered was people doing their laundry downstream from a place where bodies were being burned for sacrifice. And so correct the ash and the the fat and all of that were mixing together and flowing into the water possibly apocryphal but more (laughs) believable than it being from adipocere
1: right so yeah it's they're they're connected in terms of chemistry but it's not quite the same situation uh this completely fascinates me uh admittedly i have a, a taste for the macabre especially when it involves science but uh yeah it's very fascinating just the idea that you could turn to soap